Hello and welcome to episode 106 of the Ogre Life podcast. I'm your host for today. My name's Kevin. <laughs> Can't forget that bit. Today we have with us as our guest Jason Crandall. Jason is a teacher for the last 20 years. He is considered by many the teacher's teacher. Now, I've never met Jason in real life, but I've done plenty of these classes online. And when you're a teacher and you go to Jason's classes, he approaches the practice in a really practical, logical way, which really resonates with me. So you learn a ton about sequencing, about alignment, about cueing, and and why we do what we do. Today, we spoke about an obvious one, podcasting, obvious topic, because with Jason and his wife, Andrea, they have Yogaland podcast, which is a big inspiration for me. We also talk about media, not necessarily social media, but creating content. And now that a lot of us are streaming and some of those streams are being done through a third party, like a studio, if those streams are recorded, who owns it? What are our rights? What are the agreements? And what can we do going forward to navigate this new landscape, this new digital landscape that we find ourselves in? So a lot of juicy topics covered here, a good bit of banter as well. We had some interaction uh, from many people because this was recorded via Instagram Live. So you may notice as you listen to this episode that there is some slight, ever so slight echo occasionally. Um, they had some technical challenges, but I cleaned it up as best I can. I hope you enjoy the content and you like it. And if you do, feel free to tell a friend and share the podcast, maybe even leave a review on iTunes. And uh, as always, I appreciate you listening. Without further ado, here is the very normal, the very great Jason. Who are you calling normal? <laughs> I heard that. You heard that? I heard that. I take oh, exception sorry. to that. <laughs> no, that seems to be totally on brand with me. It's, I actually got really? this, I got this long email this morning of like, hey, I just, you're just really normal, thanks. So I'm, I guess I'm trying to take that as a positive. Yeah, uh, what did the rest of the email say? Um, it, uh, it, that was about it. <laughs> yeah, it's just yeah. A, a student that practices with me on Glow and, and uh, just found, uh, just finds the content relatable. Which I get, you know, yeah. I, I uh, anyways, long story. Well, I mean, it's an interesting topic though, because I think, I think that it's quite difficult um, to express yourself on when you're being recorded or on social media, because you realize whatever you say is there forever. And I think that makes some people feel like I'm going to play it safe and just say what I think everyone would like to hear. And that's why maybe not doing that and um, having a refreshing honesty kind of stands out to people. It's it's almost like being or it's unusual to be um, authentic, as it were. You know, some people say like some people say now, listen, now I'm going to be honest with you, and then they'll say something, and it makes you think, well, you're not honest for the rest of it. Right, 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 <laughs> right, 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 right. <laughs> yeah. Um, but um, I, I, I go on, go on, sorry, Jason, no, go I was on. just going to say, I, I think this kind of started for me, this realization started for me actually kind of long before social media. It started when I started writing a lot for Yoga Journal, which was 20 years ago, 2001, right? And it, it, was, it wasn't that I felt like I needed to say something that was like within acceptable doctrine, but it was that I realized that what I wrote was going to live beyond the moment in which I wrote it. And when the thing is, it's like when you're teaching, right, it's in it, everyone listening, when we teach it's live. And so there's like a normal mistake making curve, right? And also when we teach live, the people that we're interacting with are in the room. So they're reading our nonverbal cues, they're reading like our personality, they're doing the practice. So in some ways they're not going to be maybe as critical of each individual wor word. And so I feel like teaching live, you have a little bit of a natural um, ab ability to make mistakes and then to revise and go back and forth. But 
when you commit something to a publication, especially at that time for me, Yoga Journal, it was the publication. I just didn't want to say it wrong. So it wasn't like, it wasn't like, sorry about that. Um, it wasn't like I was fearful of saying the wrong thing. It was more like I was fearful of getting the technique wrong, right? And, and kind of um, realizing that that was going to be, I, I was gonna leave myself open to a little bit more scrutiny. Um, and so that, that I think has, has followed course. With recording for Glow, I think it's a little bit different. It's because of the volume. You know, when I would write for Yoga Journal, it would be like, you know, one piece in a month time. But then what would happen is for Glow, there's so much more content and it's a little bit more um, a replication of a natural environment. Um, but yeah, it, it's still, mm -hmm. it, it's, a, it's a challenge. We all have it. And you know what's interesting is I've been teaching a lot of training since the world went into quarantine. And it's interesting because now now all teachers are dealing with this. All teachers are dealing with, wait, there's someone out there that, uh, that is not in my room that I'm teaching to. I don't know anything about them. I don't know how to read their cues. Um, wait, is this thing being recorded? Oh my God, well, what if I change my mind later? So now kind of everyone is dealing with this via Zoom. So it's a, it's a, mm -hmm. it's a challenge. Yeah, that is so interesting because I, I've been, I mean, obviously you and Andrew have been doing your podcast for a longer than I have, but I've been podcasting now for two years and I get a lot of really nice things said, which is great, but occasionally I'll get an email through and it will, someone will bring up something that I said a year ago that they want me to address and they want me to make a statement about it or, and, and, and I used to reply to those emails but now I don't, I just don't. And I, I, by the way, I get one every three months maybe. Um, and I just, I don't reply to them, but it does make me think, God, you know, my, I'm going to be a dad in a few months. For the Congratulations. First time. I'm, 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 thank you. Cheers. And I'm going to, um, little girl actually. So, um, so but, way um, to go, man. So I love having a girl. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but I do think, man, my, my little girl's going to listen to this in, in five years and what are they going to think of something I said like, and occasionally you get caught up in conversations and you'll say something and then after the podcast ends, you're like, I said that, but I didn't really, I mean, I said it in a way I didn't express myself the right way. Yeah, of course. But then it's there. It, once you hit that publish button, to think that it's there forever, when someone downloads it, you can never take it back. It's, it's, it does fill me with a bit of anxiety, to be honest. I completely <laughs> agree. Today, yeah. yeah. And I so never, I never, I'm really never worried about saying something that I think is like culturally inappropriate because that's not me. But one of the things is I change my opinion about things from time to time. You know, I look back at the trajectory of being a yoga teacher and man, there's some techniques I, I wish I had back. You know, there's mm -hmm. a lot of things that I teach 20 years in that I teach differently than I taught even five years ago. And it's not that I think I was necessarily wrong five years ago. It's that I know more now. I have more context now. I have more experience now. I have more wisdom and maturity now. I've seen more things, so I have more nuance now. So for me, mm -hmm. I think there was a lot of things, and hopefully, God willing, you know, things I'm saying now in five years, I will have learned and grown in five years. I won't be saying the exact same thing. I say this to my mm -hmm. teachers all the time, like, can you imagine any job in which over the course of 20 years, you have, you do, you've learned nothing and nothing has changed <laughs> about how you do it. And you say, no, this is right because I did it 20 years ago. And the person that told me 20 years ago to do it this way had done it for 20 years prior. So nothing's ever changed. We, we, we kind of have this, we have this like um, desire to find uh, credibility in the yoga community from, an, from kind of citing an unbroken chain or lineage. And I think that that can be a, that for me can be a bit of a, a bit of a problem. And yeah, again, so for me, it's, it's never that I feel like, actually, there are a couple of things I wish on, on our podcast, I, I could, <laughs> I could run back, but that's also <laughs> life, man. You know, that's same thing in conversation, right? Um, that's part of the blessing of a podcast. That's the, I think it's very natural. It's very off the cuff. It's very, um, mm. like from the heart and in the moment, but from the heart and in the moment, we don't always get everything sorted clearly. 
you know? Mm. And sometimes I'll say something and I don't even necessarily need someone to help me reflect on it. But after having said it, I'll realize later, like, it's exactly what you're saying. Like, oh man, I don't, I didn't really give all the context to that thing. I, 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 I wish I could kind of reframe that differently. Um, mm. I think it's just something as, as content producers, we have to let go. In the, again, in the yoga room, I don't think it's a problem. Um, but, but when things like a podcast or a, a stream, uh, a recorded class, when it can be done later down the road out of the context that we were all in together, there's a greater possibility for, um, I think, misunderstanding of the original intent. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And also, podcasting is so personal because you're, I mean, I get into my car and I, with Bluetooth, automatically plays whatsoever's on my phone so it's a podcast so there's someone talking to me in my car as I'm driving and then I get out the car I put on my headphones then they're in my head as, I, as I'm walking around so it's so personal because it's like you're constantly speaking into the person's ear and you're hearing them when I listen to you and Andrea it's like and I'm very grateful, by the way, that you're doing a lot more. I'm very happy that you're doing a lot more just you and her. Because I actually found, although you've had great guests on, I think chemistry is so important. And you guys have a great chemistry and you, you complement each other. And when you thread in stories, I'm going off on tangent slightly, but when you thread in stories about people you used to know or places you used to go or studios you taught at, and that to me, that is the beauty of podcasting because it's so it's so organic. And But the the... No, not the downside, but what could be seen as the downside out of context is when a conversation is flowing and uh, and things are um, are then kind of uh, as you say could be taken out of context later on. But I I really I've actually I was asked and I haven't told many people this, but I was asked um, recently to delete an episode um, by someone um, saying that they essentially were offended and that I should delete the episode. And I almost did it. I almost did it. I, I was like, mm, maybe they're right. Maybe like I, I should have thought about that before I said that or this, that, and the other. And then I thought, no, because if I do that, what am I starting? Like, where, where does it end? You know, where, like, there's going to be something that... Uh, so so I, t I essentially decided not to in the, in the end. And, and, I, and I, the person I look to is someone like, Joe Rogan and I know that's like he's the kind of 800 pound is it 800 pound gorilla he's the he's the the kind of the five, yeah these days <laughs> but um he he says he's done like what 2000 podcasts and I think in order to find your people you're gonna also find who are not your people <laughs> and that's okay right I mean it's something yeah. that that I think is very important to me, which is um, many types of diversity, including viewpoint diversity, right? So if we don't have worldview or viewpoint diversity, um, then we have a lot of problems that are gonna start to come our way, which is one of those problems is um, we are not going to learn from people that have other viewpoints. Like we, we can't go through this world where we just start to cancel viewpoints because then we have no opportunity to learn from those viewpoints, right? So mm. diversity and like heterogeneous communities and culture become stronger because they, they learn and they grow together and sometimes they grow together through constructive disagreement. It's another mm. thing that we have going on in um, the polarized world, which is it's really difficult to disagree but not... Um, how do I phrase it right? It's become harder and harder to disagree without dismissing, right? So, right? And it, it happens yeah. all the time, right? And to yeah. some degree, honestly, you know, I'll, I'll kind of throw myself into the fire of when I did the first Yin podcast, I, I disagreed and I dismissed. And I made, and that was a mistake. That was a total mistake. When, we, when I got back on with Bernie, it was like, it was a, we, we still disagreed on some stuff, but it wasn't, it w there wasn't a dismissing, right? And so mm -hmm. that's where I realized like, um, I, I don't believe that I was wrong in my sentiment. I was very wrong in my approach, right? And, mm -hmm. and I, right, and, and again, like I wouldn't, <clears throat> here's the thing is like, 
I wouldn't have come to that conclusion if I canceled or dismissed or didn't listen to anyone that disagreed with my viewpoint. I was wrong. Again, I don't think I was wrong in the analysis. That's, that's a separate thing. I was wrong in how I went about it. Um, and again, like <clears throat> my point on this isn't that I was right. It's that the people that disagreed with how I approached the subject were right. And if I had completely disregarded them um, just because I disagreed with their technical opinion, then I wouldn't have learned, you know? And so that's like, that's an example using me as an example of, I just, I refuse to, um, I refuse to outright dismiss or cancel something because it doesn't accord with my agreement in the moment. I think another, another thing for me is like, man, I'm going on 46. There aren't that many things in my life that I haven't achieved a more nuanced understanding of, right? And so I just know how many times in the past I've been wrong, right? So I, how, how do I think now that I am completely right and I know everything there is to know about everything in perpetuity and therefore anyone that disagrees with me should be shut down. But I, but I you know what I mean? So I, I think yeah. that that's, that's the perspective in some ways that I would not have had 20 years ago. But I only get now because I have a family, because I'm older, because I've seen more things. That's it. Yeah, and the, the, the beauty of that um, situation with Bernie is that you spoke to you guys spoke to me. You spoke to him twice. Yeah, exactly. Just once. And, and, and but oh oh sorry. Yeah, you did. It, it was just you and Andrew at the start, and then you brought Bernie on to speak to him. But um, and that, that that is is the the idea of revisiting things and discussing things and saying to someone, I can disagree with you, but it doesn't mean I dislike you. And, and also, and and you know, you have the right to say whatever you like, but um, you know, uh, what was that expression? Like, um, oh God, I've forgotten it about free speech or something, but it was, yeah, it was essentially like saying like, you know, we can always, uh, learn from something we said, but it, often it takes, it takes that discussion. But I, I really, I really do feel that that's such an interesting point you said earlier about, and I never even thought about this because about people now are all, we're all in the same boat in terms of being, uh, filmed being recorded and and also as well what your latest podcast with Andrea you brought up something really interesting talking about who owns that content then I mean this is something this I, is a I, new world and I'm just gonna say like dude yoga teachers really need to pay attention the moment anyone hits record on that button and again, this is something like, I can't tell people the amount of hours I've been, been involved in contract negotiations and lawyers on that one question, is who owns that content the moment record hits? The moment that record button is pressed, who owns it? Who gets to, who gets to profit from it? Do you get to segment it? Do you get to bundle it? Do you get to organize it? Do you get to structure it into a training? Dude, the moment you just kind of be like, oh yeah, record this, whatever, it's a potential massive issue um, because live stream and on demand they're really different things they're really different things so this is this is a world that no yoga teacher was prepared for unless that yoga teacher was already on a big platform and I'm not saying it can or shouldn't be done it's it's like one of these things of like dude there are massive issues that people need to to start to pay attention to and it's really complicated and um, I don't want to play, I don't so, want to play lawyer and I'm not, I'm not, mm. I'm not averse to that record button being hit. But if that record button is hit and now your content lives on a site, that's not your content. And the, and the, and the person who owns that content can do what they want with it. And we always think, oh, they won't. Well, dude, what's the, what's the first kind of order of business for most? Survive. And it's really hard right now for yoga studios to survive. So we can't think that they're not going to start to bundle that content and make it available for sale for later. And then, you know, it's, just, it's territory that, never, that most teachers have never been in because almost every yoga teacher is, is work for hire, right? So they're either paid yeah. for, right? <clears throat> they're, paid a, they're paid a set dollar figure, whatever that is, um, 
for the class they teach or they are paid a set percentage for the workshop they teach. That's it. But then when that thing lives on in time, because it's been recorded and it's sold down later, you have to have clarity on um, who will continue to receive revenue on that and what that payment's gonna be, what that structure's gonna be, who owns that piece of content, but also who owns the intellectual property now. And again, these are all conversations I wish I never have had to have in my life because they're really hard conversations. Um, but it's, it's, it's a complicated time right now. Bruce, my friend Bruce here, Bruce Chung just asked a great question. Oh, Bruce. Gonna say. I, I, I you know, know Bruce? You know Bruce? How do you know Bruce? Uh, Bruce was um, one of the teachers on our teacher training when I did it with Bryony and Dice uh, of Bryce. So I did my 300 hour with them as the couple. Do you know Bryony and Dice? Yeah, uh, I know. I don't know. I know who they are. I don't know Bryony personally. Yeah. I know Dice. I really like Dice's no, classes. Dice. Um, yeah. Although he, I always get, I always get really, I get so, what's up Bruce? I always get so annoyed with Bryce. I, it's like, there's like an over under bet in our family as to how quickly I will start to verbally curse Dice because he can do things that I can't do. <laughs> and look better and look better than me I, it's I really and annoying. he's such a nice guy as well which makes it even more annoying super annoying he's also a good <laughs> yoga you know actually the last thing i'll say about him that i actually find pretty rare to be honest which is it's very difficult to be really good at the thing and also good at teaching that thing it, 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 mm -hmm. those two things like it's very rare that you have like the best athlete becomes the best coach. Like it's almost, net that, you know what I mean? Like, the, because those are separate skills, like teaching someone to do something and doing the thing. Sometimes doing the thing requires not just hard work, but it just inherent God-given talent, right? And like the right ratios of things. And those things don't always translate to being able to communicate the skills. So the thing that I, I see with Dice is, I think he's a really good teacher in addition to having a lot of natural talent. And that's all I'll say about him. That's all the time he's getting he's getting from me right now. <laughs> yeah, he's and he, yeah, he's a great guy. Okay, um, so Bruce was Bruce, Bruce Bruce. This question is it, it, I was looking at, and I know Jason. I know you, you you know you can't play lawyers. You said, but this is the one I was thinking as well. I was like, I've done God knows how many classes now that have been recorded, and it was only the weekend, just Saturday, just gone. A very like established teacher here, who does anyway. I won't go into detail who they are, but said to me, listen. Like you got to figure out uh, who owns this content, and th th as far as they were concerned, they said under GDPR, um, you own the content, and they can't. Then you you can say to them, look, you don't have permission permission to use it. But I don't know if that's the case. But Bruce says here, what about say again after the fact? So say like he's done ten classes with a studio, and he finds out that he owns the content. What can you do then? Because it's already done. I think the thing, I, I think what needs to happen for everyone is you just need to have the, the, the conversation up front and actually yeah. a contract. And contracts can be one page. They can be one page really simple. You know what I mean? It's like, here's what I've learned with media contracts is they either need to be one page or really long. It's just like really simple, really simple, really basic, really straightforward. I am teaching this class. I own the content. You get to sell it. Every time you sell it, I get X number of dollars or X number of pounds or X number of cents. Done. Mm -hmm. Or it's got to be a really complicated long thing. But, but the conversation up front is really necessary. And here's the thing, like, I'm all for, when I've been having this conversation, sometimes people have pushed back about like, well, studios need to make a living. I know. I haven't cut a single studio out of any loop. You know what I mean? Like, I could do everything online on my own now and i'm not i'm still partnering with the studios and the studios are still getting the same percentage that they've always gotten from me i haven't created a single thing to cut them out of the loop at all i want them to thrive and i'm loyal and i also know that if they are going to record my content and sell it at a later time i'm also going to get paid on the exact same terms that I did on the original sale. It, it's, it's to me, it's actually really simple. It has to be mutually beneficial, but, um, and no Bruce Chung, we do not all love dice enough. 
I was just being a nice guy. <laughs> Dice is terrible. This is a terrible person. Um, no, I think it, it just, it needs to be really, it just needs to be really straightforward. And the thing is, is like, the challenge right now is that everyone's running from behind and, and all the brick and mortar studios are trying to become online businesses because they need to, and they need to have done that like weeks ago. But being an online business and being a brick and mortar studio are fundamentally different businesses. And so it's not that it can't happen. It's that these things need to be talked through and thought through in, in a way that is, um, that is like uh, equitable for mm. everyone that's involved. Um, okay, in reverse order, like, I've actually used social media a lot less over the last three months. Like, I use social media when I am less busy. When I am busy, I don't really post that much. So like during my trainings, I usually don't post at all or I'll schedule some posts um, prior to the training and have them go because just mentally and emotionally I can't do it. When, I, when I'm teaching all day, um, I, I literally cannot also go online. And you know what I mean? And the thing is too is like um, the majority of the, what I consume on social media is not yoga. Um, it's like I watch skateboarders, I watch jujitsu fighters, I like artists, I, you know what I mean? But I don't really, as a consumer of social media, I don't spend much time um, engaged with my subject matter because it just, it doesn't interest me. It, it's not that yoga doesn't interest me, it's that it doesn't, um, it doesn't refuel me and kind of give me space. Um, so I, I've probably been way less engaged with social media uh, than I, over the last two and a half or three months than kind of ever. Um, mm -hmm. So that's that. I have already, you know, fortunately because of my work on Yoga Glow, I have, I have seen for the last eight years that the internet is really big. It's a lot bigger than any <laughs> one location, right? <clears throat> so it's like, Hong Kong has a lot of people. San Francisco has a lot of people. Uh, London has a lot of people. Those places are great. The internet has way more people. So I have already paid a lot of attention to how to teach what I want to teach online. Now, the, the, um, the shutdown, if you will, the, the kind of global pandemic forced my timeline because I had already been in the process of starting to create more online courses and taking over, like I have done, like I'm still very happily with Yoga Glow um, and also I'm moving the majority of my coursework, my like more teacher training based stuff uh, onto my own platform. We have a learning management system and, and that's something that, that we've wanted to do for really a long time, mostly for ownership and control. Um, and so essentially what quarantine did was it just forced that timetable uh, because I had several online trainings, excuse me, not online training, I had several in-person trainings scheduled, right? So I had a module in March in London that had to be done online. I had a module in San Francisco in May that needed to be on, done online. And then I also have upcoming in July a module in San Francisco that needs to be done online. So I've already done 200 online, 200 hours of online training um, and it had to happen really quick. And the other thing is, is like, there are certain things I am not like a weirdo perfectionist control freak on, but training, I am a weirdo perfectionist control freak. And so I had someone who's a professional cinematographer, who's a good, really good friend of mine, um, come in and essentially stay here for a couple of days in March and I was inv able to invest and essentially make our front room into kind of a portable home studio and to do it right. So um, I've learned a lot about learning management systems. I've learned a lot about course production. I've learned a lot about what works 
Um, when, not when you're just doing a streaming class, but what works when you're actually doing a big training. And it can't mostly be Zoom. It can't. It just doesn't actually, it doesn't work. There's so, there, there are just better options for us. Um, and so I've learned a ton. I was kind of joking around like, if you need, if you need like a videographer or someone to teach you Adobe Premiere Pro, I'm your guy. I have learned so much about production, about cameras, about lighting, about all the stuff that I just, I never wanted to learn, but it had, we're, we're, we're a two person shop. People once in a while be like, I'll get emails like to Jason and staff. It's like, I don't know who you think my staff is. I don't know who you think I've hired, but it's been zero people. It's two people. My chihuahua, and my chihuahua is a freeloader. She doesn't do anything. <laughs> so someone wrote, what are better options? System? So what are better options than Zoom? So I think when it comes to straightforward, one-on-one, 90-minute, 60-minute class, Zoom is the best option. That's how I'm doing those things. When it comes to the live component of a training, Zoom, I think, is the best option. But when we're dealing with a big topic, I think that there are much better options than it being Zoom only. So what I have done for my 100-hour trainings and what I'm doing for all the shorter trainings, like my 12-hour trainings that are coming up later in the year, um, is... <clears throat> that about two thirds of the content is recorded. And it's not like randomly recorded. It's not like I'm not compiling a bunch of stuff, pre-existing content. Um, but I'm filming it with professional mics, like I have professional Sennheiser mics, I have a couple of them. Um, a professional HD camera, aperture lighting, like what CNN uses, like high-end quality, and then delivered via learning management system. And so what this does is it takes care of all the complicated tech, right? Because there's such a Zoom fatigue of having to look at those little boxes that it makes yeah. the brain crazy. I um, mean, again, it's the, that's the best option for live stuff. But so essentially the structure that I do is everything is structured, everything is pre-recorded, and then everything is worked through as if it is just an online digital class. So that's five hours per day and then three hours per day is the Zoom, right? So to me, it's, the common, it's, it's that combination. And part of why, one of the many reasons that Zoom doesn't translate as well is, one is tech, one is access, but another big one is time zones, right? And, and the thing about learning online is when people are at home, they're more distracted. So the content needs to be chunked up into smaller bits. This is the thing that we know about online learning, right? So when you look at online learning, like if you look at masterclass.com, right? If you look at masterclass, which is the best platform for learning anything digitally bar none, you look at the structure of how these things are done and everything is chapterized. Everything is somewhere between like a four and 12 minute video. Everything is much more highly organized. There's downloadable PDFs and guides that walk you through things. So we can't, so, so when, we are, when we are teaching a big training, and I keep qualifying it, that it's a training, not just like a little workshop. If I'm doing, I do Zoom classes, don't get me wrong, but in a bigger situation, we need to think about how people actually learn online. And learning online is not the same as learning in the room. And it, it takes more organization, it takes smaller increments of time, and in some ways it takes better production so that things can stay evergreen, so that people can go back and, and actually utilize the technology better. And when you're doing those recordings, Jason, and you have all the the high-end gear, do you have your camera on a tripod? Is that is that yeah? So someone is the cameras can't move then. Correct. It's still yeah. just a single-person shoot. It's a one-camera single-person shoot. I would love to have a budget that is that would include more than that, but it's not possible. But I also like one of the things that I've learned over the years is I don't pretend that the camera's not there. And one of the things that you have to do, everyone has to do is, they have to relate to the camera. The, the camera has to be a student okay. in the room. You know what I mean? 
You can't mm. be afraid. You can't be afraid of the red. I, my camera's on only because it's what my audio is going through. So you have better audio than than IG can provide later, right? Yeah. But it's it's kind of the the thing is like you ha you can't be afraid of that little red button. You can't be afraid of that red light. You can't like. You have to relate to it. You know what I mean? It sounds kind of silly, but it's like you, you really have to, it's a weird, you have to learn to like befriend the camera, you know? And yeah. it takes a long time to do it, but you have to do it. And I'll just say this, like, look, everyone is learning that the quarantine, whatever we call it, right? It's not an on off switch. Okay, that's kind of what I thought it was going to be. Like, oh, studios are closed, then they'll open. But as they open, they're opening around the world, right? It's already starting to happen, but they're going to be socially distanced for a long time, for the foreseeable future, let us put it that way. Which means for a studio to continue to survive, they're going to have to also live stream that content because there's not going to be, studios aren't gonna be able to sell enough um, spaces in a room to be, to make ends meet. So they're going to have, everything is going to be mixed, right? It's going to be live and online, which means that webcam or whatever, like whatever, whatever is filming and feeding your content, that is going to be there for a while. Also, I'll say this, when have we ever introduced a technology, normalized it, used it for at least a six month period of time and then gotten rid of it. It ain't, dude, it's not going away. It is, I don't see it, I don't see it going away. And I'm not saying I want that camera in the room. I'm saying this is probably the job now. And so you have to just, you have to embrace it. You have to welcome it. You can't be afraid of the camera. You have to relate to it like it's a, like it's a person that is communicating what you want to commute to the world that is not actually in your room. Yeah, I think some people, have it naturally more than others but I know there's a an, an, I've never done any like acting class or anything like that but um I know there's an acting coach here in Ireland and they have a specific workshop which is acting to the camera so you would think like oh acting acting but no they have one that's like how do you speak into a camera if you're doing uh when they I think it's called a fourth wall or something when you can actually when the, the actor speaks directly to the camera but actually Jason on when you put in Jason Crandall onto onto Google it says film actor I know I this. saw that in the knowledge graph because <laughs> Google so, asked me to do this like other weird thing that I, I can't quite describe to you so like I didn't even know that I had a knowledge graph or what it was called um yeah. and I saw that it was film actor and I kind of just think it's funny I don't want to keep it there yeah, well, I, <laughs> I don't know. I'm not a film actor, man. But I think it's hilarious. So, you know, I'm not offended by it. I just think it's kind of funny. Yeah. I, Google, I, I guess Google's not always questions. right about everything. Yeah. I want to address people's questions just in case they get lost in the thread. So Matthew says, do you sense that Yoga Alliance will extend their provisions about online TT certification? This is a million dollar question, literally. This is the many, 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 many million dollar question that everyone's kind of asking. Um, mm. I mean, they've extended it to September 30th. Um, I, mm. I don't know. That, I don't know. I don't, like here's the thing. We, we uh, oh God. Um, Yoga Alliance was one of the first people I reached out to when the March module in London was gonna to have to be rescheduled. Um, and I had a lot of conversations and a lot of back and forths and we had the president and the marketing director on our podcast to talk about it. Um, I think, I am glad that I am not, that I do not have to, um, I'm glad that I'm not Yoga Alliance. I think that I know how difficult it is to make like, two people happy, let alone like the global world of yoga. I literally can't imagine the situation they're in. Um, so I think it's going to depend on the kind of, I think it's going to depend on who's in their ear and what the, what the global yoga studios need to be, to survive. 
and I think they're going to need. Jason, I can't hear you. Oh yeah, yeah, go on. Sorry about that. You said to survive. Thank you. I think it's going to depend a little bit on what the global yoga studios need to survive and how they are being communicated with. And my guess, my guess is that they will extend it at very least through the social distancing era. I get my, it's my guess. I have no inside information. 0.000. I don't, I don't see a situation where they, I don't see a, I don't see a situation where yoga studios can continue to exist. And let's face it, there's a lot that are already going under. I don't see a situation where they can continue to exist without being able to sell all of the things that they have to sell, both live and online. Um, and here's the thing, there's only one, there's only like one set of entities that are going to benefit from studios going out of business, and that's the big corporate studios, right? But like, and when I say big corporate studios, I'm not talking about like, big studios in a city that are owned by a single person. I'm talking about venture capital. I'm talking about hedge fund capital owned studios and they're all over the world. Okay. They're big and they have deep pockets and they can sustain losses that the independent studios can't. So I think that in my opinion, Yoga Alliance would be well served to do everything they can do to help everyone in the yoga business, especially the independents stay alive. And I don't see the independents staying alive for another year of this. If Yoga Alliance does not help accredit online content. That's my, that's my, that's like totally a hundred percent, just my off the cuff perspective. Um, now I'll also say like, you know, I was scheduled with Adam Hustler and Adam Hoke to teach a 200 hour training in London in August, and we decided not to try to do that as an online training. Um, that the three of us, actually, and the studio just kind of decided like, I don't wanna do a foundational program online, not 100% of it online. But I do, I have found that the 300 hour stuff works really well online. There's things I miss, there, there really are, and there are some sacrifices that we make for sure, uh, but it translates really, really well. I'm not saying a foundational program wouldn't. I'm saying I'm not as confident in that. Mm. If it, but well, it's sorry, Jason. Go. Sorry, I was just gonna say that if if I had already done, if I already had started a 200-hour program, right, and I needed to finish it, there's a lot of people that are needing to like finish the last three weekends or whatever of like a protracted 200-hour program. Hell yeah, that's got to go online. Uh, but I I didn't want to start and finish one online. That didn't feel, I will only do something online that I feel can match the integrity of in-person and I just personally didn't feel that that would happen for me. Mm. Yeah. And also as well, people would be going to that training because I imagine the element of the three of you together, the chemistry between you and and, and that's not gonna be the same online. <clears throat> you know, there's that thing of, it's like when you want to, I remember when I was traveling and I first discovered Skype, this is, you know, 15 years ago or something. And um, I remember thinking, oh, I, I can't wait to call my mom. I'm going to call my mom. And, and I found this thing called Skype. And I was really looking forward to it. I found a cafe, internet cafe, got online. And it's just, it was just, the it's just not the same. I mean, obviously it's way better now. There's less lag and stuff, but, the, um, and trying to do that, is to collaborate with another trainer and teach online you just lose that chemistry if the people have joined because of the trainers uh, themselves. <clears throat> um, I was going to this uh, Rosita Del Mar, which is a cool name, has asked a question. <clears throat> she said, do, "Do you keep the pre-recorded? We, now we may have answered some of this already, but do you keep the pre-recorded uh, info online and for how long? Also, how do you control what people are down that people aren't downloading your content?" Um, Jason? Um, uh, the answer is yes. I keep it online. <laughs> so for a, for a two week program, people have six weeks to do it in its entirety. So I, 
do like I conduct the training over the course of two weeks exactly as if it were in room, but everyone has access to that content for an additional four weeks. And if they need more, if they need it for longer, they can have it for longer. Okay. Um, and then so that it's a two week training, but then for the next month for that additional four weeks, we still have, we still have twice a week live zoom mentoring calls. So for people that have already finished the content, but then have other questions, blah, 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 they're joining me to have that kind of live office hour time. And then anyone that's a little bit behind the curve, you know, like, oh my God, I'm still on day four. You guys are done. No worries. Life is complicated. Um, then they can say, you know, I'm only on day four. And today we were talking about Patanjali and I'm a little bit confused about Purushan Prakriti. Who isn't? Um, can we talk a little bit about that? Right? So, so that's the design. Now, um, the way that I have it set is so that it can not be downloaded. Um, it can only be streamed and that's a simple setting both within the learning management system and then also the, uh, the site where the, uh, um, uh, the videos are hosted on Vimeo. Yeah. I was going to yeah. say, um, like if you post something on YouTube, even if it's unlisted, if someone has that link, they can send it to someone else by the, um, uh, without permission and they can also download it, but that's not, yeah. Vimeo is a lot more secure, but you got to pay. And the con and the, 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 the quality is better, yeah. but, but people yeah. won't find you via acquisition, right? So it's like, if you're trying to acquire, uh, if you're trying to acquire students by providing free content, um, then you definitely want to do that on YouTube, not on Vimeo because no one's going to find you on Vimeo. But for, for a, a, like a hosted um, uh, paid access, I, I, Vimeo is a lot more set up for that. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, uh, and this is it's just something that I didn't know until I did the research myself. Oh. <laughs> Hello. How, how are you? <laughs> Um, yeah, it's something I, I, I didn't, I didn't know, um, until I did the research. That's the thing. When you go online, not only do you have to be, have to realize that everything is, you know, out there on YouTube and stuff, but also it's so much technical stuff to learn. As you said, um, I used to outsource for my podcast and I actually want to ask you about this because you went from audio. Now you do video podcast. I used to, oh yeah, no, worries, no, worries. Yeah. So I outsourced my video editing because I had a three camera kind of Joe Rogan set up to, uh, yeah, I went, I went whole hog. I went a bit OTT. I, I'm kind of geeky about this type of thing. I'm also geeky about jujitsu. So I want to ask you about that before we, we go. Yeah. I, yeah, I used, I used to change it. Uh, but anyway, um, but yeah, so essentially, <clears throat> God, there's so much learning you have to do when you start a podcast and you're doing it all yourself and all you're uploading videos and you're trying to edit and it, there's so much, but I really do think <clears throat> as long as you're interested in, in this type of thing, audio visual, if you're a teacher, you're a professional communicator, that's your job to, to communicate well. And if you can learn how to use microphones, well, video, well, you are giving yourself <clears throat> so much more leverage because you're going to put your teaching in front of way more people. And, um, you know, what, oh, this teacher, I know actually shout out to Sam, who's based in Australia. He was saying, am I wasting my time doing these high quality videos on YouTube? I says, no, nah, man, cause that's there forever. I mean, I've, I got to know you kind of voyeuristically through watching your YouTube. That, that, that was the thing. And then there's nothing, there's no medium more powerful than video as far as I, I, I see, but to do it well, <clears throat> Is is tricky. So I I don't want to go on here. I just someone has another question. I don't want to. My it's important. I ask everyone's questions. Any words for teachers trying to balance loyalty to a studio when the studio is unable to pay them the same rate as an in-person class? I'm seeing most local teachers breaking off to host their own classes. So uh, the question was, any words of teachers trying to balance? Yeah, loyalty. Man, this is so hard. And and you know, this has been really personal for me 
um, because I have so many teachers in my trainings who are dealing with this question. You know what I mean? So this isn't abstract. Um, it's an easy question for me to answer personally because, um, because I have a really big platform that pays me well, which is Yoga Glow. But most teachers don't have that, right? And so my bottom, I, my bottom line is, oh God. Okay, I want the yoga studios to still be in business when, it, when this pandemic is over or managed or whatever it is. And most studios are not highly capitalized and their cash flow right now is in the gutter. So they don't have deep packets, they're not well capitalized, and their cash flow is dead. And if, and if teachers are cutting them out of the loop, which let's face it, right now it's really easy for teachers to cut them out of the loop, then this is going to be a problem for studios. More studios are gonna go under and they're gonna go under fast. There's a lot of studios that have gone under. At the same time, teachers also have to put some food on their own table, right? Because teachers themselves, we don't have the protection of employees, right? So all the yoga studios have always given us what? What have they given us? They've given us 1099s, not W-2s. We're independent contractors, which means we don't have the protect, we don't have employee protection. We don't get paid sick leave. We don't get paid our medical. We don't get paid vacation. And our margins, or at least for most teachers, those margins are slim too. So to me, this is like the epitome of being stuck in between a rock and a hard place, man. I, and, and it's really hard. So I don't really begrudge people that make the decisions they make. Here's kind of what I was thinking, which is, number one, a studio, a, and let me, let me get, make it a hypothetical thing for me personally, okay? Um, let's say I was teaching 10 classes before quarantine, okay? And those 10 classes, out of those 10 classes, the studios can maintain during quarantine five because most studios have significantly reduced the amount of classes that they're hosting per week, right? So if I had 10 classes per week and that's what I was making my living on, but some of those classes got reduced because the studio was not able to host that many classes in an online platform, then I need to be able to create enough content to make me whole. So if a studio is saying, hey, listen, it's, if, the studio cannot, if the studio cannot maintain my class for any number of reasons, then I need to be able to recreate those classes on my own. Now, if the studio can continue to provide me the ability to teach those classes, then I will continue to stay with those classes. Um, that's what I have done personally, which is I've stayed with the classes um, that Love Story has offered me. But if a studio can't offer you the class, you're like you're going to have to actually have to actually create your own. So I think in some ways we, we have to like, we can't just go around and start cutting the studios out of the loop and then wonder, um, hey studios, um, can I teach for you in six months? You know what I mean? They're, they're, we can't yeah. do that. It can't be wholesale, it has to be thought through. It has to be, I think it has to be really individual conversations with the studios themselves. Like as teachers, we have to take one for the team and at the same time as teachers, we don't, We've always been treated by an, as an independent contractor, man. And now is one of those times where that actually means like, okay, well then I have to do some independent things while you do some of those independent things. So it's hard, man. It's hard anytime, anytime there's a cut, anytime there's a deficit. Um, it's really hard decisions to make. It's really, I do not... Um, I, I don't like the decisions that people are having to make. Uh, uh, for what it's worth, like all the trainings that I'm doing through the rest of the year, uh, I just don't have anything scheduled for next year. But it's interesting, right? I do all my scheduling for the following year in the month of April. So when it came to this month of April, I just thought myself, 
I am not, I'm not even talking about next year because I have no idea. Um, but all the stuff that I'm doing this year, I'm still doing it through the studios. Actually, I've taken control of the payment gate for most things moving forward. Um, but I'll pay the studios out the percentage that we have agreed upon. I'm not cutting them out. I'm not going to still do the same thing and cut them out of the loop, even though they won't have to do anything to get their share from, from me. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and it's, it's a, some difficult conversations need to be had, especially, especially when we, uh, bring in the, the point made earlier about the recorded content who owns it. But I would say from my, I don't have as much experience as you, but in my experience I've had as a teacher, although you may be able to do a lot on your own, you may be able to do everything on your own, I think it's so important to have allies and to have partnerships because you never know, you're much, trying to be, I mean, I've, I've, I read a lot of like motivational entrepreneurial stuff and I, I like how to, be a, a, an effective self-employed person. And one of the key things I got from it, actually from a book called uh, Key Person of Influence, uh, it says that you need partnerships when you're self-employed. Although you feel like you're alone uh, and you're on your own a lot, you need to have allies and people you can collaborate with because that can allow you to offer way more than you could do on your own. And although it's, it's, I think it's so important for people, I'm, I'm talking about myself as well, to not be short-sighted here and think, oh, I, I don't need anyone else because um, you may do very soon. <laughs> There's going to be a lot of attrition. This is, I think, another thing people don't quite get. There's two things, right? Which is, look, I'm, I have been a commercially popular teacher for a while and I teach at Love Story. And so I bring Love Story a lot of business, but you know what? Love Story brings me a lot of business. All the studios that I teach at bring me business. There's all sorts of people that, you know, every class, every public class that I teach, there's at least a dozen people in there. Why and why are they in there? Because they wanted to take a class at that location at 6.15 p.m. They don't know who the hell I am or care. You know what I mean? They want a level two, three class and they want to do it there because that's where they work. You know what I mean? So like it is, it actually is a partnership. And it's the same thing on Yoga Globe, just a bigger thing because the internet is bigger, right? There's a lot of people mm -hmm. that take my class on Yoga Glow that have never heard from me before, but they put in the filtering mechanism, I want a level two, 15 minute hip focus class and I came up, right? Mm -hmm. And so it really is a partnership. I think the other thing to remember is like, you always need access to new people because your existing students, are going to, there's going to be attrition. No one is going to no yes. one is going to be like a student of yours forever. People have lives, right? And so, um, man, sorry, my mic keeps slipping. I'm just not okay. Um, um, yeah, we, Jason, sorry, just to let you know, mate, we have one minute, uh, minute and a half. So no, we're, we're going forever because we so. haven't talked about jujitsu, and you talked about Joe Rogan, and he's <laughs> never done something under <laughs> like two and a half hours. <laughs> This is going to be the longest <laughs> podcast you have ever done. Because the, the, the Instagram Live only gives us an hour. What? It, it cuts off. Yeah, it cuts off an hour and only gives you a 30-second countdown. we got to smash the system. Well, I know. Well, we can do another one just about jiu-jitsu. Okay, on, it'll just be on. us. <laughs> go on, sir. Yeah, I don't even remember what I was talking about. Oh, sorry, man. No, you... you. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, um, <laughs> we were talking about something. Um, <laughs> I was probably rambling about something. Anyway, I should I should I should have told you that. Um, no, it's all good. They, it's they, all good. They only give us. They only give oh, us here's what I was but, saying. Oh, this is what yes, I was sir. saying. It's like the the thing is is like um, you are going to have to acquire new yoga students, teachers, teachers of the world. You're going to have to keep acquiring new students, and that's hard if you don't have partners. Okay, unless you have a massive budget. And my guess is you don't have hundreds of thousands of dollars a month. Acquiring new students is really bleeping hard to do by yourself. You can't do it all alone, man. You just can't. And so, Ten seconds, so Jason. Ten we need partners, we need, we, we need allies. <laughs> That's it. We need allies, people. Stick together, yeah, unite. Stick together. J Jason, thank you so much. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks for having me, bud. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed that. If you'd like to reach out to Jason, you can catch him at jasonyoga.com. If you'd like to reach out to me, it's kevinballyoga.ie. 
As always, hope you enjoyed it. Feel free to share it with a friend, leave a review on iTunes. Until next week, have a good one.